wake up on badminton morning and you think, what in God's name am I doing? I'd rather be at home in my bed having a fry yeah. up and watching the racing on the telly. <laughs> I am about to go around badminton. Am I just, am I stupid? Welcome to the Charles Owen podcast. Charles Owen has been manufacturing high-performance, stylish riding helmets since 1911. And to celebrate its 110th birthday, we are interviewing a range of riders, from the biggest names in equestrian sport to up-and-coming superstars. In these exclusive interviews, they reveal their highs and lows and share their secret to success in this challenging sport. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, thank you so much for joining the Charles Owen podcast. You're welcome. Um, and for persevering with that slightly um, comedy, technology, stress moment that we yeah, just had. Yeah, you, you ended up getting me here, so good effort. Um, I, so one, one point I thought this wasn't going to happen, so I'm very pleased. I'm delighted you're here. Jolly lucky. <laughs> I, I, I'm counting my blessings. So, William, now, I know you've had an incredible career because you are one of the most famous names in eventing what I didn't I kind of didn't realize how prolific you were until I did the research for this and it is quite remarkable <laughs> and I'm not gonna if I read everything out that, that would be the podcast done I'm going to try and give you a brief synopsis so people listening will just it's quite it is quite staggering prolific. so I think that's that's a funny word but yes I know I like that word why do you not like the word prolific well, it sounds like I'm breeding something <laughs> when you're breeding wins um <laughs> Yes, yes. I know. Well, I think, you know, I think it works in this context, but um, successful. Does that sound better? Yes. Okay. Very successful. Um, so your first Burley win, just age 25, in, which in itself is amazing, in 1994, you then went on to win another five titles, all on different horses. You also won, if I get any of these wrong, just step in. You also won badminton twice. You're the only rider, does this still stand, to have won five out of six five-star events around the world? Yeah, I think so. So you haven't won Australia? I haven't won Adelaide, no. We couldn't get a horse to Adelaide. It, just wasn't, it was going to be too complicated. We were working out it out one year. The horse has to be in isolation for so long before yes. you travel. Yes. You can't yeah. work him. Yes. So he has a month off before travel and a month off on landing. So then you've got a horse that can't do a three-day. So No, it's not about... Well, so we'll let you off that one then. It's a, that's a good excuse you've got there. Yeah, you've um, still there. <laughs> I can see it slightly bothers you that you haven't done it. You really thought this through, we, haven't we you? We did. We did once. Yes. <laughs> and now, and you've won a total of fourteen five star events. Now, in, in addition to that, Olympic medals, two team silvers, one bronze, which includes the team silver on home turf at the 2012 London Olympics. You've also won seven team gold medals at the Europeans. You won team gold and silver at the 2010 World Equestrian Games in Kentucky. And to cap it all, you were the first British rider to become Eventing's world number one in 2002, which you then did again in 2009, 2010 and 2014. So it's pretty amazing. It's from 1994 to 2014, so 30 years it's. I mean, I know I haven't listed everything there, but it's you've amazing. Listed, yeah, you've listed plenty. I've been around a long time, haven't I? I've been at it a long time. Very lucky yeah. to have had some good, some good ups in the sport. But you know what's funny? Because I was, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about luck, and I was thinking that you've been. I know that with eventing, luck definitely plays its part. Definitely does. Um, 
and I think you've been incredibly lucky to have so many good horses because some people would only dream of having one Burley winner, right? And you've had six Burley winners. And so I kind of first of all thought, well, where do you get all these good horses? I've been very, very lucky to have had good horses in my career. Very lucky that owners have asked me to ride their horses. Um, the owners have wanted me to ride their horses uh, because none of the horses have been mine. And um, yeah. I think that has been the most fortunate thing for me is and I've had so much support from from owners who enjoy having a horse in my team um, that, they, that they've yeah. backed me, you know, backed me all this way. So I think that's where I've been been fortunate to have had that choice of horses. And, you know, in the past, I've had good years where I've, you know, I've had six or seven four star, which is now five star horses. That's incredible. Those days are gone. But to have had that many owners supporting you, I think it was mm. so incredibly lucky. And um, I think that I was very aware that the sport is horse dependent. So mm. it's no good just having one horse. So I've always made myself very conscious of attracting horses, looking for horses, looking for owners and being able to look after them all. I think you know, I've been very lucky with my backup, my team at home, that mm. I can cater mm for owners who who are happy to be one of several rather than want to be just the only one. Yeah, I think sure. that's, um, that's where I've been very fortunate is to have that backup from a variety of owners to therefore have had several yeah. good horses. I um, mean, some years I've, I've ridden two horses at Badminton and two horses in Kentucky in the same year. Yeah. Um, how amazing is it to have had four horses of that level at the same time? That is amazing. And do you know, one thing actually I've, I've, I've heard about you, William, is that you are really, really good with the owners. And I think that's so important, isn't it? Because they do it for the love of the sport. Thank you. No, it's, it's very, very important. Yeah, they do it for the love of the sport and they do it um, to love to be in your team. So I think it's yeah. very important to look after them. And I've had support from my wife, Alice, and um, you know, Michelle in the office and Jackie Hegram. It's all about all those angles that they feel included. Yes. And do you, so when you were given these horses, these, I mean, there's so many horses in your career, but let, you know, think about, say, the six Burley winners, for example. When they came to you, did you, were they, were they kind of, you know, ready-made? Were they young? Did you know when they were given to you that they were going to be these Burley winners? <laughs> oh, goodness, you never know, do you? It's such a, um, a, a stroke of luck when a horse turns out to, to win any event. Um, and then to have had that many good ones, I think... Some I had all their careers and some I've inherited later. I've very much taken on horses when they're already at a level. I didn't get Chilly Morning, for example, until he was 12. Wow. Um, so he'd already had a big life before he came to me. Yeah. Um, whereas I got Tamarillo, I got Tamarillo when he was seven. I had Balancula from the beginning. Um, and... It's been all sorts, really. I yeah, yeah. Hawks later on. Um, he came when he'd already got to a level in New Zealand. Um, Charker I got when he was older as well. He'd been ridden yes. by Judy Herbert. He'd been produced by Judy Herbert and just came to me because everyone felt that he needed a man on him. And I think that sometimes happens. And they think, oh, this horse needs longer legs or this horse needs a bigger rider or this horse, um, you know, needs needs a change. Yeah. Enjoyed taking on other people's horses in a sense. I don't feel that I have to make a horse mine. I rather enjoy getting on a horse and forming a relationship with how he is. Yes. And it's interesting, you talked about Chaka there that I was going to ask you about, because that was your very first win in 1994. 
you didn't go into it, did you, by any means, thinking you were going to win Burley. So what was that experience like? Yeah, I'd say that was probably um, the biggest moment of my career because suddenly you've won a, um, I'm calling it a five-star now, I've done it. And you think, blimey, um, now what? Maybe I should give up or maybe I should try and do it again. Um, but also what I felt very quite predominantly was that I never needed to win another event. I was okay now. I'd won, wow. I'd won Burley, so everything else was a was a bonus. And I think that was quite a good, as a young man, that was quite Took a good pressure, pressure off. off my shoulders. Yes, it was like, okay, well, yeah, I've done it. So um, most people don't win a five-star, so I'm lucky and get on with it. Yeah, I was going to say, did you kind of almost think, God, this is a bit easy? You know, did it kind of lull you into slight, slight false sense of security? Because obviously it's really not that easy. Didn't really, because I'd, I'd known it, it, it. I've had a lot of times when I haven't won an event, so I've known that it didn't come easy. But then I thought, well, you know, I remember beating Karen Dixon and she was red hot favourite. She won the British Open and she was mm. on um, Too Smart and it was all. Um, yeah. I can remember, those, you know, and I thought, oh, well, I've actually beaten them. And mm. it can happen. So I think it gave me a belief that it could maybe happen again. And, um, yeah, one of my big, from my biggest up in my career in 2000, um, in whenever it was, 1994. 1994. Yeah. Um, nine, so that nine, win, yeah. 1995, I led badminton after cross country and Chaka failed the trot up. So suddenly wow. you go from that amazing win to being nobody so zero to zero yeah he he was zero completely zero so it really makes you realize um those moments don't just don't just come along and you should you should grab them and um you know it's it is your your name's either on the ticket or it's not i think you have to rather accept you have to accept that sometimes it just isn't and crazy things go wrong um but also crazy things go right say crazy things have gone wrong you know can you give me an example oh uh, yeah i've got my i've got i've got a few things a few little regrets there a few wishes um i would say probably one of my saddest moments was when tamarillo was lame in athens olympics when he was right up there after the cross country um yeah. he was yeah. lying fourth or fifth after cross country and he'd cracked his stifle so he couldn't show jump wow so wow. Sud- suddenly that was gone um, I think Chilly Morning, funnily enough, has been a really unlucky horse because he was so amazing. He should have won. Mm, mm. Um, he should have won the World Championships. I knocked down a show jump. He should have won the Olympics. I had the only run out I ever had on him. It wasn't even a run out. Uh, I turned I turned and crossed my tracks because I oh. had to do a circle. Because I'd, I'd lost my line. Just, yeah. So I threw that away is, that. Yeah. That's not great, um, William. <laughs> and then, um, so that, that was sort of two gold medals that were nearly there. So what happened with the show jumping? You, you said you knocked a show jump, and obviously, chilly morning, not the show jump. What did you do to make him knock the show um, jump? You know, you've always done something, whether I came too fast, whether I was, it was early on the track. I think, to be fair to myself, Chile was quite tired. I think we'd had a big, a big excuse to I'm running out now. We'd had a big drive from where we'd done the cross country in Normandy to the mm. main stadium mm. in the main arena, and it was boiling hot. Mm. And we, mm. an hour or two on the lorry, 
and then standing in a, a new yard where Chile was a stallion. So he got himself all excited to be in new premises and who were all his neighbours. Yeah, so by the yeah. time I was show jumping, I had, I had a bit of a flat tyre. So I was kind of aware that um, I wasn't riding a pinging machine in the show jumping. Yeah, and I think yeah. perhaps jumped the first couple of jumps flat and I probably should have revved him up more and then he jumped round the rest clear. So I was very lucky I still got a medal. But mm -hmm. I'm kind of, kind of, it would have been nice in all those years of eventing to at least have had one gold one. It's not over yet, William. It's not over yet. Um, uh, li um, living and dreaming. <laughs> so, I mean, you've mentioned there Tamarillo and Chilli Morning. You've, you've mentioned obviously a lot of other horses as well there. Um, could you pick out the best horse of your career? Uh, it's, yeah, again, I think it has to be. Tamarillo was the biggest freak of a horse. I think he was the one that was the most talented. He was extremely quality, um, you know, athletic, speedy, flashy. He was mm. quite wow. He was he's quite gorgeous. wow. Yeah, he gorgeous. wasn't the most, the best competitor because he, he would find the whole thing quite exciting and he looked at excuses and he had an edge to him that made things not always happen. You mm. know, he would often mm. spook and make a mistake or, you know, yeah. I did two world championships on him. He could have won them both. And both times he had a run out because he was a little bit opinionated and feisty yeah. and I was maybe a bit fast. Chilly Morning, on the other hand, was the most regular, consistent, competitive, excuse me, competitive horse. He was so on it. Um, yeah. I felt he was an amazing horse in his mental ability to be produced to being an event horse. Yeah. Um, he wasn't as talented. He didn't trot like Tamarillo. He didn't jump like Tamarillo. He didn't gallop like Tamarillo. Mm. But as a package, he was probably equally amazing in his ability to deliver yeah. you know if yeah. I think I only had him for a short time he won three Brahmans he won badminton he should have won WEG he should have won the Olympics um he came second or third came third in the Europeans he was just so solid yeah I think that's where he was a freak he never really let me down mm. um Tamarillo I shouldn't say it but he probably did let me down a bit he was a little bit quirky things did go wrong um, well, Tamarillo and I let the Guinnesses down is how I see it. But there's quite a lot of bits that Tam didn't nail yeah. that he had the ability to nail. He was certainly, when he was eventing, Tamarillo was the best event horse in the world. Chilly Morning, he was your last five-star win, wasn't he? Is that right? That was a badminton. Yeah. Um, and not only was he an amazing competitor, he was prolific, used in the correct the correct yeah. sense. <laughs> prolific stallion um there's lots of chili babies out there aren't there and our Gemma Tattersall's got a few of them um have you got any chili have you got any chili babies oh sadly I've got none I've tried twice with my broodmares to have a chili foal and both times they've been in foal and both times they've lost it so I've oh. ended up with nothing oh. um I don't I don't have another chili and I it would be fun to have another chili I agree I've got a, um, a guy I teach and he's just bought himself a chili now yearling and wow. it is that absolutely, um, you know, that's that's got to be for me. But I mean, it's not for me. But you know, it's, it's so um, absolutely stamped by chili. It's a you know, it's a ginger nut with a white face. Um, it oh, would be fun so to have a chili one because you know I, I'm not going to probably 
be eventing when it would be any good. I have bred a few recently that I sadly won't be the one to be on. I bred wow. one by Oslo, my um, five-star winner a few years ago. I've got a lovely two-year-old by him, and I've got a lovely yearling by the clone Tomatillo. So that's great, but maybe yeah. I can watch those ones. You'll be handing them on, indeed. And Chili's sadly not with us anymore. He died last year, didn't he? Yeah, he sadly died, but it, it's not sad. He, he absolutely had his life. He'd been an amazing horse. He never suffered. Mm. He didn't get he didn't get old and stiff and lame and sore. And, you know, he, one day he had a heart attack. I mean, honestly, that was he had the perfect way to go out. Is that how you're, you're planning on going out? Yeah, I wish. I wish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not, not too old, not too rotten, just old <laughs> enough to move yeah. on. And heart attack in the field. So that's how we all want to go, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, now, both your parents competed at Babington and Burley, I believe. So obviously, eventing's in your blood, but it didn't actually look like you were going to be an eventer. Now, I read that you stopped at 13 because you thought you were going to be bullied by your peers. Is that true? Well, I think, you know, you're, you're growing up, you're kind of thinking, oh, I'm the only one to... Um, be riding my ponies and I'm the only one you know I can remember going to associates camp in the pony club and being one of only two boys and there were like yeah. 78 girls and two boys and I thought really what am I doing I mean it's nice to have the <laughs> attention nice to have the attention not in that way but nice to be yes the, the odd one out but not that nice so yes I really thought about you know well I was I rode because I was in a horsey family mm. um, it's what we did as a family but never imagined it was going to be my career I didn't imagine it's going to be my career probably until I got Chaka you know 1993 and suddenly I got a good horse because of the good horse I then got sponsored Hackett took me on as my sponsor and I suddenly thought actually um you know my friends are aren't earning any more than me and they're all in the in the city and working nine till five and here I am floating around the countryside and I'm doing all right I thought well it was a good living for the time being and then it just it just developed so um it was truly just the way the way it went fate because I mean you were educated at Eton so were you a boarder did you board at Eton um what was that like um that was, was what I did it was fine it was normal how old were you when you went there um um, yeah, 13 to 18. Okay. Um, but I, I boarded before that. I was just, you know, that's what I thought going to school was. And, yeah, um, yeah. you know, my parents sent me um, to Eton. So I went to Eton. That was fine. And I would ride a half term in the holidays. And that was what you did. So it was yeah. sort of, it, fit, it fitted into a point. And then as I got more serious, my mother was amazing with her support and keeping the horses fit and keeping them ready at home. And mm. the amount of times I got, picked up from the slough roundabout in a horse box on my way <laughs> on my on my way to an event um became it became quite regular and then, and then you carried on because then you went to goldsmiths and you were still competing so what did you study at goldsmiths i studied french i um okay. i could always speak a bit of french because my parents again spoke french and they used to um speak to us in french i always remember growing up and there was a family rule that in the car we only spoke french so unless <laughs> unless unless you spoke French, you weren't spoken to or answered. So my parents were speaking French, and if you wanted to join in, you had to speak French. <laughs> That's great. So we learned to speak a bit of French. So me and my brother are fluent. My brother and I are fluent. And I thought, well, that's the only thing I can do French. So I better do it at uni because I didn't want to work very hard because I was riding horses every weekend. I see. I, I see you did it. I went to university for four years. 
and I did not spend one whole weekend in London. So it sounds like kind of very much self self-taught. I mean, obviously, traditionally, I know that you've had a lot of riders come to you. Lots of riders learn their trade by going and working on a yard. Did you, did you go through that process at all, or were you always very much just at home riding? Um, I think I was very much at home riding because otherwise I was either school or university or something else. So the only opportunity was really to learn at home. And um, I thought, you know, my mother knew what to do anyway. I didn't think I needed to learn from anyone else. So she she just taught you? So she taught me pretty much everything. And then wow. when when I when I started getting a bit opinionated and teenager, she sent me away to La Seda home. Because um, La Seda home actually evented with my mother and then trained my mother. So she said, well, the only other wow. person that I think is good enough to teach you is La Seda home. So she packed me off there. And she said, now you'll know what the real life's like. So she sent wow. me off to, um, and Lars took me under his wing and kicked my butt. I mean, I imagine when you were then on the British teams, you were then having, you had mentors and training then. I've had lots of training exactly through um, young, you know, I was junior team, young rider team, senior yes, team. Yes. You know, I was already in my first year of seniors, I was already lucky enough to be first reserve for the British team. So they were never going to take me to the Europeans, but I didn't know that. But I did <laughs> therefore get all the training with them. So I really yeah. benefited from being in those training camps with Ginny and um, Ian Stark and all uh, um, and Karen Dixon's and the kind of, and I was the child at the bottom who was just hmm. watching and learning. But I yeah. was always in those environments where I was benefiting from yes. coaches and trainers. Um, it wasn't just home and my mum. Yeah, well, an amazing, amazing people to learn from. All those names, just legendary names you're mentioning there. Um, yeah. You now have got an amazing place with your family, wife, Alice, racing presenter, four kids, Oliver, Thomas, Chloe and Emily, which all sounds quite hectic. Four kids, yard full of horses. Is it as hectic as it sounds? Yes, yeah, quite full on. It's quite full on, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I've been no. uh, very, luck- very lucky to have everything here and very lucky to have a family and very lucky it all fits it fits in um certainly at the moment it's quite chaotic what what ages are they from eight from what ages they span boys are 14 and 15 and the girls are six and eight have i read that your only your girls are into eventing is that right the boys not so keen yeah i mean eventing is a bit glamorous thing to say. the girls <laughs> pony ride <laughs> yeah. they're, they're into they're, they're into a lot of pink boots and brushing tails um <laughs> the boys the boys are not into that the boys um i had a little um Ollie came hunting for times, my oldest boy, this winter, a couple of fun days. So my big argument, my big insistence is that they're in a horsey family. They have to learn to ride. Then they can give up. I don't want yeah. them to jump yeah. jump around badminton, but they cannot not ride because that would be such a shame. So the boys have learned to ride. Um, they actually annoyingly can ride quite well. Um, and it's not really their it's not really their bag. And I'm probably quite lucky. Imagine if they all rode it. It'd be a nightmare. I did think it would get pretty expensive if you had four kids eventing, wouldn't it? It would be that kind of nightmare, yes. And then yeah. the girls are quite keen. Yeah. And I would say the youngest one, Emily, is probably the keenest. But who knows? Indeed, indeed who knows. I mean, you weren't into it, were you? But let's face it, so it took you a while to... It took you a while to discover it was your thing. Now, William, I'm sure you must have met some very famous 
and important people during your illustrious career. But there was one name that really jumped out at me when I was doing my research. Um, you were mates with Madonna, weren't you? <laughs> uh, that was a long time ago. I was her riding coach. That was quite a fun time. That's another whole story. So how did that happen? She Googled me as a local rider who she thought I was suitable to give her lessons. And um, she used to come here for the odd lesson in my indoor school and borrow a horse, had a wonderful horse called Moon Man who took her around. And um, then I used to go over to Ashcombe and go riding with her and teach her out riding. And then she ended up having her own equestrian facilities built with an indoor school. So I went wow. to gave her some lessons there. And now she's gone. She's off in America and new husband, new life. And but it was a, it was a fun it was a fun time. It was I learned I learned a lot, and it was a it was a um, it was it was a, a fun and and funny time. So you say you learned a lot. What did you learn? Well, I learned about a crazy world that she's in. Um, a whole kind of a whole social network of crazy people that you kind of only ever see on telly that you don't ever imagine that you'll see in the back of some barn like who come on we want what names William uh, what names? Dropping names you're testing my memory now but um we certainly spent um one new year's day we spent um with old um old Gwynny Gwynny was there and <laughs> Gwynny was there and and a hubby and we Chris had Martin. our children they had yeah. their children Chris was there and that was all it was all quite funny. It was just the six of us and um yeah, we all went on the kind of boys went off on the bikes after lunch and girls went for a walk and the children were kind of poking around in the um in the garden. What what was she like as a pupil? Um she was different. What does that mean? <laughs> she had her own ideas and yeah. she wasn't always um wasn't always a listener, but she was a she was a real um, a real worker. My God, she was not frightened of hard work. Um, yes. But you know, she was quite funny to teach. She was quite funny to teach. She was quite big on. I had to demonstrate, not not shout. So she'd often make me come on a horse, and then she would ride her horse, and she would want to see what I was doing to then do it, rather than being told, which was quite interesting. She yeah. was a, she learned to dance. She learned to dance apparently vis visually, okay. not being instructed. Fun, fun times. Yeah, certainly changed from the normal routine. Now, when I want to take you back to, we talked about the highs and the lows of the sport. Now, obviously, there was a real low for you when you had that awful fall in October 2015 when you were competing at the Young Horse World Championships. Now, you were in a juice coma for two weeks, and after regaining consciousness, you had trouble with blindness and double vision. I mean, that must have been a really frightening time. Yes, it was a funny, I say funny, ha ha, not ha ha, but it was a strange time because it was always, um, I never I never thought any of it was going to matter. You know, I, I can remember um, recovering and in my mind, I was always going to ride in Rio. I was going to be ready by Rio and that was my target. I had Chile and it was going to happen. It was everyone around me was thinking I had a cat's hell's chance of going, getting wow. to Rio. I mean, I, I couldn't even see a jump, let alone jump it. Um, but it did, you know, I did have a lot of help from a great um, ophthalmologist and um, I had a lot of help 
mentally as well. And I got myself better, I think, by having a goal. I had to get myself better in a time to be ready to ride in the summer. And um, I think I was very lucky to have all that support around me to get to get me back, to mm. get me back on track. And, um, you know, I had great staff here to ride the horses to keep me fit. Um, I had help um, with my own physiotherapy and fitness to get me fit. Didn't just mm. happen, but um, everyone around me, you know, they joined, they joined the journey and they thought, well, you know, we better not tell him yet he's not going to ride there. But I never thought, you know, I always thought Rio was a dead cert. And I think that really gave me such incentive. Yeah. Do you, um, did you at any point doubt you'd come back? No, didn't cross my mind. Um, I did, I did wonder why I was so wanting to do it all again, but I think I had yeah. no memory, no memory from the fall. So no fear. Mm, um, it was a, mm. it was a freak. It was a freak fall. It wasn't a misjudgment. It was a visibility. It was sunlight. It was one of those strange things. Um, and it, um, yes, it was never, um, a reason in my mind to give up, but I think I had unfinished business. I felt I had Chile. I really thought that Chile could do well in Rio. Um, didn't go to plan, but I really had that goal. I had a couple of young horses coming on that I want, that I'm actually now mm. still riding. And I thought, well, I don't want to see somebody else riding them. So I'm going to ride them. So it was kind of it's kind of my job, but it's what mm. it's what I did. So I've I've mm. carried on. What did Alice think about it? Was she reticent? About I think she you was going with on? me. She was supporting me. She was very keen um, to not be the, the negative, but she did wonder, you know, what on earth are you doing, really? Um, and you know, it's going to happen again. But I rather had it in my mind that that had happened once. Surely it's not going to happen again now. So I must be a better, you know, stat. I'm a better risk. Having had that survival, for it to happen twice, I do become a bit of a freak. I love that. That's a great way of looking at it. It's very positive. If you have a really awful fall, the chance of happening again is massively reduced. That's a that's a good. I like that. That's a really good outlook. Really good outlook. Yeah, loving that. That's a great one. Great one. So, does your accident still affect you now? No, I think my memory. I am fully recovered. Sorry, as in I'm not. um, I'm not affected. My memory isn't quite so good. I'm quite good at forgetting, you know, what I had for breakfast or what's, you know, someone's advice is to dinner next week and I put the phone down and I go, who was that? You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But that all comes back, comes back now. Before it was gone, gone, gone. Now yes. it has a way of reappearing a couple of hours later. Wow. Um, so I give myself little targets. So I give myself, right, these are my three things to remember today. And then when okay. I get to the end of the day, I go, have I remembered what those three, three things are? And I might not, but then often the next morning, boom, they're there. And you think, it's really weird that. Mm. Um, I certainly, if I, I wouldn't be passing A-levels, um, I'm glad I've done all that. I, don't, I wouldn't be doing any, um, learning a new language would, would be quite tricky. Yes. Basically, you're doing what you love, still, and I guess that's the main thing. I mean, yeah, and as we said, you're 52 now, is that right? I am. And still going strong. Do you think you're a better rider now than with, with the experience? I think there's bits and bobs. You get better in certain ways and you get not so good in other ways. I think you can get you know, certainly better at my detail. I'm more, you know, able to adjust to different things. I'm more relaxed. I'm, there's less pressure. 
Um, but then I think you're probably a little bit slower. You're a little bit less fit. I have to probably work a bit more on my fitness now. Yeah. I've got a one, what do you one, do? Oh, I've got a wonderful, horrible Watt bike. Mm-hmm. Um, I make myself go on that. And I started doing that. And that, that for me, is, is the best thing to do. Because apparently at my age, I shouldn't be running. I used to always run. I used to enjoy going for a you know half an hour run and just done. Yeah, Whereas yeah, the, yeah. They, they said, now nah, that's not great for your body. So you're better on a bike, apparently. Okay. And you're better on a stationary bike because you don't get the jolting. Okay. So um, it's working well, but I'm still busy enough. I'm still riding several horses a day. How many um, do you ride? Doing stuff. Well, sometimes, sometimes eight, but not often. I used to ride. A, a few lot, more than that, but now, wow. but now wow. I'd I'd say five is plenty. Um, but of you know, I've got I've got a few. I've got eight or nine horses to event this year, which is a good wow. number. Yeah, it's it a nice. It's not it's not too many, but it's enough to keep you busy. So um, I think yes, you just have to work a bit harder at certain things. Probably at um, yeah, you know, I'm probably quite happy to go a little bit slowly around an event now rather than thinking get on with it and go for it I kind of think oh well slow's fine today's fine to go slowly so maybe not as hungry no not as hungry I vary I think that's also my brain um because I think well why am I hungry I'm lucky to be alive I mean who cares about being hungry whereas I think I do I do have that edge that I want to win I've got some really good horses that I really want to see win but I've also got that side that I think well if I never win another event in my life who cares? Um, you know, I've I've been very lucky and I'm alive. So. Yes, although let's face it, William, you felt like that age 25 when you just won when you just won your first Burley. It, it's kind of funny, isn't it, that you 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 obviously do care. You obviously do care because you then went on to win another five Burleys in badminton, and you know the amount you've won is incredible. So you kind of you seem quite laid back, but I think you're obviously yeah very ambitious. I'm not. I seem quite laid back, but I'm obviously not. Is what you're trying to say. Um, <laughs> it's all a lie. <laughs> I know what you mean. I've got I've got an ability to categorise stuff, which is yes, I'd like to do that, but I've actually now allowed myself to. Think, well, if I don't, I can yeah. now live with that. Whereas a few years ago, yes, not not after I won okay. Bernie, but a few years yes. ago, it's like yes. I'm now I'm now gonna win that. No, I'm now yes. gonna aim for that. Yes. So I had more of a target. Whereas now yeah. I'm thinking, well I'm 52, if I was sensible, I'd be sitting on my butt just teaching. Um but I'm not ready for that. And I think my my absolute test for that is I've got these two horses that are I think winners. And I'm not ready to watch somebody else win on them yet. Uh, so which which one? Which of these two winners? Oh uh, no, these are no names, but they just are. <laughs> they're they're good enough. And if I could say, right, I'm happy to see Tim Price win Babington on that horse, then I'm ready. Then I should give up. That's your time, yeah. But I'm not. I'm thinking. Okay. I'm jolly well not seeing anyone else. I'm winning on this horse, so okay. that's my time. Yes. And um, you know that that therefore is hopefully going to tell me when I am then too old I'm nearly nearly too old but not quite well you're definitely not you know you've got a few years to go before you get to toddy haven't you I'm not toddy sadly I'm not toddy I'm I'm not made the same as toddy I don't know you you see you're similar similar types aren't you 
physically, maybe not mentally. Quite as crazy as he is. No, no. I, I, won't, I won't be going around badminton when I'm 60. Yeah, that is, it is a bit insane. Not but normal. I, I, <laughs> but, uh, but amazing. Now, we've got a load of questions sent in from Charles Owen follows on Instagram. And one of the first questions we've got actually does lead on from that, which is Reggie950 wants to know, I mean, you kind of answered it, but what is your inspiration and motivation to keep riding? I think my horses, I think um, I really, I've got, a, you know, good horses that give me that drive. I've still got, you know, a little bit of ambition in me that thinks, oh, I could just be quite nice to win another couple of events. Or, um, you still got to win Adelaide. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I love horses. I love working with horses. I love training horses. And I love producing them. At the moment, I love producing them for myself. I don't want to produce them for somebody else. And I think, I think I'm quite good at that. So I'm... I'm happy doing it. All those achievements you've, you, that you've had in your career, Bluebells underscore peps underscore venting, would like to know what is the biggest achievement of your career? Good question, that, because I've been lucky to have had a few good ones. But I would say riding at London Olympics was a, was a high. That was mm. an amazing experience to be mm. in that British, British team. I wasn't just in the eventing team. I was Team GB. I was in the Olympic Village in London with that whole crazy Olympic thing. And that mm. was amazing. We didn't do, we were disappointing. We only won a silver and we should have won a gold. And it was. Were you, were you disappointed? Yeah. You were. We didn't do well enough. We, we all could have done better. Mm. I would have been, I, all Olympics would have been that we'd all done our best. Not necessarily that we won a gold medal, but we'd all done our best. And we didn't. We just didn't quite. And we only just got beaten. We were nearly, nearly ahead of the Well, time. if you're saying you didn't do your best, then you might, I mean, well, it's still a pretty good result, isn't it? Silver medal, not doing your best and getting silver? Pretty good. Exactly. Pretty good. Not good enough. Exactly. Pretty good isn't good enough. Mm. Yeah. No, that, well, that's, that's what makes you a winner, William, isn't it? Bluebell, Pot, Peps, Eventive also wanted to know. I mean, it's a similar question, but in the way it's not, what's your best riding moment? Yes, I think probably... If, if you'd asked those questions together, I'd have said my biggest memory would be probably Burley, my first Burley, when I thought, you know, oh, wow, it's happened. Yes. And then my biggest riding memory would have been the London thing. That, yes. that, was, a, that was an amazing journey to be on. Emily underscore question 06 and the Galloping Girls both want to know about your first pony, who we always want to know about the first pony. First pony was Mini Monster, um, a little grey hairy welsh goodness knows what but he was great because he did go he would hunt and he would jump a jump i didn't want to do dressage i couldn't remember doing dressage until i was 18 hardly um but he was <laughs> just a, a, a great one to learn on and um he put up with a lot now we've talked about this actually we covered it a little bit but miranda underscore question wants to know how do you say com- confident after a bad fall well, one thing is you tell yourself statistically it's not going to happen again. But um, then, uh, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing this correctly, but Els Duffield, I think, said they've just had their first fall and it's not their confidence. What advice would you give? So answering both those questions, how how do you come back from a bad fall and what advice would you give to someone who's suffering with, with a bit of confidence? Yeah, you don't push yourself. You just take the take your foot to the accelerator, back to basics, tickle around, jumping a few jumps, doing some easy things. Just don't don't try to be a hero and recover too quickly. Just really make sure that you're back and you're just taking things easy and then you grow again. I think where you go wrong is if you think, well, I was doing that, so I'm going to do it again. 
um, too quickly um, and you're not quite ready. Because I think, you know, we do, you do, you can't control your, um, your fear. Um, but, you know, we are also, we are very able to override stuff in our minds. So you have to really paint a picture that it was all, it's all going to be good. You rather have to also, I'm adding lots of things, but not focus on what went wrong, move on. I think a lot of us are very good to harping back only mm. if I wish that blah blah mm. blah. And like you got to, you have to cut, you have to analyze it. Yes, you fell off because the stirrups were too long. You fell off because your pony was too fresh. You fell off because you're stupid riding with a friend in background or something, and then bin it. That's it, mm. done. Don't then give it any more time. So you're now thinking about not falling off, riding, having fun. What are you going to do next? Whereas we all, as humans, we all part back. We always yes. think, oh, if, and when, do you remember when? You know, we all say that because we can, you know, and I think you have to really, I think the best riders do not dwell on those yes. moments. Does that come naturally to you? Have you had to work at that and have you had help? I know that a part of the sort of coaching team, you know, you'd be offered sports psychologist. Have you had help with your mental sort of mental attitude? No, I've been very lucky with my mental attitude overall. I think, again, I learned a lot of that from my mother because she didn't put up with much. Um, <laughs> and you had to just, it was very much, you know, get on with it. Don't allow yourself the mileage to fuss about stuff. Just, you know. Stuff, stuff and nonsense. Think, yeah, think, think forwards. And yes, learn from your mistakes, but get on. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of us are very good at, I keep on saying the whole mental thing is to to worry about stuff, to think about stuff, analyze stuff, overanalyze stuff, and I think that because I'm I'm naturally a little bit thick anyway, I don't think about things too much. I'm not sure about that, William. I'm not, <laughs> and you're probably not qualified to say that anything. But I anyway, I'm not a I'm not a thinker. I'm a I'm a doer. I get on with stuff. I don't, you know. I've often forgotten what one said yesterday. Doesn't matter, you know. You you get on to the next thing, and I think as as individuals, we all need to do that a bit more than we like to. We all need to learn to to move on, to focus on what is good, and mm -hmm. to fill ourselves with that positive energy, and to accept, you know, we are going to make mistakes. I think that's one of the most important things is things are going to go wrong, whether you like it or not, whoever you are, even if you're Michael Young, you are going to make a cock up. So yeah. live with that. Don't yeah. dread it. Don't fear it. Don't analyze it. Don't, um, don't get eaten up by it. Yeah. And I think that is it. And sometimes all this mental help is too much thinking back. A bit of mental help is good to think forward. But yeah. over over analysis is not a good thing in eventing. Now that's great advice you've given. But um, Hanak underscore Equine wants to know what's the best piece of advice you've received. Um, best bit of advice. That's very um, cliche, but just never give up. Never think it's all over. Who would you have got that advice from? Oh, uh, from from my parents probably. They were um, yeah. They, they they were they were workers. You you carried on until you know you just chipped away and you just didn't have to be amazing, but you just don't give up. And I think yeah. giving up is a very again 
it's very natural very easy to do very mm. you mm. know you've been it and you just move on um just just chipping away chipping away chipping away is i think something that i hope i'll pass on to my children yes yes Emily underscore Reams and Elstout underscore 203 both are asking about neck straps. So do you do you ride with the neck strap? <laughs> that's my that's the one thing I will be remembered for in eventing is the neck strap. I remember when I was just starting eventing when I was a child and at home. And I remember David Green trotting past me at some event and saying, You are old enough to have grown out of those handles get that next strap off <laughs> and I was mortified I was kind I of you you know, were. he was my hero and I was thinking oh my god he thinks I'm an absolute idiot um but um I've always always had an extra strap and to me it's my seatbelt like getting into a car now you just do it without thinking without an extra strap I couldn't go into the start box and it's not always to be held onto, but it's to know it's there and it's to get you forward or with your horse. And you haven't got to hold the mane or hold the saddle. Sometimes I might, as the horse is jiggering around the start box and rearing up and frizzing out, I'll put my finger in the neck strap so I'm with him. And I'm never, yeah. therefore, leaning back and on yeah. his mouth. I use it a lot when I'm training people to teach them to follow horses. I say, you know, you're jumping jumps today and you are not letting go of your neck strap. I think it's a real thing that gets the hands forwards and not defensive. Yeah, because yeah, I think that's really interesting because I, that's definitely, it's my fault. If I'm nervous, it's defensive. So I will end up interfering with the horse and therefore often killing the canter that she's in a really nice forward going, you know, forward going with them. And I see the jump and I'm like, oh God, wait, 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 wait. And, and But actually what I sometimes do is, because I've got a breastplate, I hang on to the breastplate. Or if I haven't got anything, I literally just put a finger through the mane. And that just yeah. force my hand to stay still. So it's essentially, that is that what it's for? Exactly what it's for. It's just in a better position. It, the, the breastplate sometimes is too far back. Yeah. The neck strap's getting your hand a bit further forward. Okay, that's great. I really think I'm going to try that this season. Anyway, it's a, again, another very funny thing is it's the only trend I've ever set. If you go eventing now, you will see a lot of neck straps. Tina Cook rides in them, Izzy Taylor rides in them. Sometimes Laura Collett's got one on. I see them everywhere. Okay, moving on. Libby underscore Evo underscore 20 would like to know, do you get nervous before competing? And if so, how do you calm down? I think, yes, I think you should get nervous before competing. That You should accept that's totally normal. Everyone um, should be nervous. I think to be on, on the job and focusing and sharp, nervous. Now, the way you cope with it is to look at everyone else down at the start warming up to cross country and to think they're all feeling like me. I might be feeling sick. I might be feeling queasy. I might be feeling faint. But so are they. Now, none of us sitting here thinking, whoopee, isn't this fun? We're all thinking we're mental. So yeah. I think it's quite good that we're all, you put yourself in the same box. Like often I will get up, not often, but you wake up on badminton morning and you think, what in God's name am I doing? I'd rather be at home in my bed having a fry yeah. up and watching the racing on the tennis. <laughs> I am about to go around badminton. Am I just, am I stupid? And I think all I think sometimes is everyone, there's 80 of us feeling like this today. 
everyone is doing exactly what I'm doing. They're all going, oh my God, no one is going, yeah, bring it on. They might pretend they are, that might be their way of coping with Mm-mm. it, but n- no one is thinking that and everyone is shitting themselves. And I think that's a very good lesson. Um, well, very good thing to take on board is that you're all in it together. Yes. And you therefore have to cope with your nerves. What do you do? Is it is there like, have you got like a like a system or something to help you channel those nerves into a sort of positive energy? Yeah, it's a good question. I think the thing to do is I I I my mother always said to me, you know, you have to cope with your nerves. Horses and dogs and they get nervous, they're animals. You're a human being, cope with it. I used to get so nervous before the show jumping. And she mm. just used to say, but just get over it. You're only jumping some show jumps. Just just cope. And there is no way of explaining that, but actually just thinking that you should just deal with it. Don't be nervous. Take a deep breath and ride normally. It sounds quite easy, but sometimes it we does, give yeah. ourselves, we give ourselves mileage, we allow ourselves, oh well, just we're paralyzing with our fear you can't you know just get on with it i keep on saying that but just just deal with it understand also that you must not transmit any of your feeling to the horse yeah, but that's hard you don't allow it it's just not allowed you have to even though i can be feeling absolutely horrendous there's no way i'd let the horse feel that yeah and that's that i learned that but you you you, know, you can learn that you can just have a trait um, people always say, oh, my God, you always look so relaxed. Good. I'm not. But that's the whole point. I want the horse to think I'm relaxed. Do you do you have that thing where you leave the start box and then it all goes? Yeah. Or you do? Or do you have moments around the course and you're thinking, oh, bloody hell, it's um, Vicarage V. Or... Yeah, Vicarage V. You're dreading that jump. You're dreading the whole of badminton. Really? Every fence? <laughs> it's all... It's, it's, every fence counts. Ruben underscore Nelson, if you could remove, change or add... Any BE rule, what would it be? That's a very good question. It's a really good question, isn't it? I've, I've got to say, oh, it's probably not a BE rule. The FEI have now got a rule that your neck strap has to be attached. It has to be physically attached to your breastplate or the saddle. Okay. And I, I find that so obnoxious and annoying, I can't tell him. But that is an FEI rule. Likewise, I would say being eliminated for a fall is B as well as FEI. I'd say that's, that's. I can yes. totally understand why, but I, that, I find that really annoying because if you fall on the flat or you've yeah. fallen through the rope or you've fallen in some stupid fall, you don't get that experience into your horse. You're there yeah. and you're in the moment. Yeah. You want to win, but you want to finish the day. Absolutely. How do you across country course because you've fallen over the first fence? It's quite annoying. We've got one final question here now from the Charles Owen crew, which is Taz, Taz underscore, the, the underscore unicorn, wants to know, why do you like Charles Owen helmets? Um, it's just, I think, very broadly, it's a great choice. You know, we've all got funny different heads. We've all got different things we do. And there's just such a great choice of what suits you for what you want to do. You are not branded you're not put into a, um, a cubicle and that's the hat available. You've got so much choice. I think yes. that is the absolute luxury of Charles Owen. And the, 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 the hat fit is so good. But I think, okay, yes, well, the protection well, from them is, 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 you know, second to none. 
Yes. So now, William, you'd be pleased to know after this grilling I've given you, we've got for the very final few questions we ask every rider. First question is what would you have been if you hadn't been an event rider? I would have probably been a bloodstock agent, probably racing in the bloodstock world. I wouldn't have been I don't think I would have been a racehorse trainer, but I think I would have been in the in the racing world. Um sourcing, you know, good good, exciting, very valuable horses. Obviously because of Alice interest in racing. Were you interested in racing before? Yeah, I again my mother was very involved in the racing world. So I grew up with racehorses. Okay. okay. I grew up I grew up galloping you know, racehorses at home um until I got too big. I was very involved in all that the thoroughbred industry. When are you happiest, William? When am I happiest? Um, yes, that that's that is a good that is a good one. I think when I feel um, really, um, apart from being with my family on a Sunday afternoon in the garden um, picking my tomatoes, I would say when I'm really feeling the horses on my wavelength and you're totally together, that would be. And that, whether that's dressage, jumping cross country at home at a competition doesn't matter but it's when you feel really united um that feeling doesn't get better than that William what do you wish you'd known 10 years ago what do you think you might have I mean because of your career I'm not sure if 10 years ago is going back far enough in a way because I don't believe that I wouldn't imagine from 42 to 52 you've learned a huge amount maybe we should say what would you told yourself 20 years ago is there something you might have told your younger self I don't I can I'm sure I can say it to you but I think what I'd like to have done is to have I've thought I should have kept the money I earned. Um, there's not much money around, and I didn't earn very much money, but I did have a very good time in the sport. I sponsored, I had good horses, I won events, and I, I spent all my money. <laughs> what did you spend it on? God knows, exactly, God knows. <laughs> I wish I'd known to keep it. I'm not very good at saving money. Okay. So are you going to start saving now, William? A bit late now, but I like, I like to, you know, I can't save money now because the children, the children spend all the money. But when I, I didn't have children, I had a bit more money. I see, yes. Okay. So that, that might be your advice to um, up-and-coming event riders, start putting some money away. Well, don't yeah. have children. <laughs> don't have four children, maybe. <laughs> that would help, yes. That's that was, that was, that was my fault definitely your fault William I have to say well hopefully it was I'm hoping it was your fault oh my one would have been fine you're right (laughs) um listen I've taken up an awful lot of your time goodness me so thank god for lockdown because maybe you've got a little bit more time to talk to us so it's been really really great it's been really fun so much for your time it's been very good talking to you it's been great talking to you too William thank you so much over and out